Today is October the 8th. Do we have idols? Let's find out together as we study Hosea. All this week we're looking at chapters in that section from Hosea 4 to chapter 10. Uh, yesterday we looked at chapter 7, today 8, tomorrow and the day after 9 and 10. These are all individual sermons that Hosea preached during a fairly extended ministry that he had in Isaiah. When he comes to chapter 8, he talks to Israel specifically about actual idolatry. Verse 5, O Samaria, I reject this calf, this idol that you've made. My fury burns against you. How long will you be incapable of innocence? This calf you worship, O Israel, was crafted by your own hands. It's not God. Therefore, it must be smashed to bits. Now in this passage, Hosea refers back to something that took place when Israel was first formed. If you'll look with me at 1 Kings chapter 12, you'll see that we are still in um, the, the, the time of Solomon's reign. First uh, Kings 11, in verses um, 26 to 29, there was a rebel leader named Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, one of Solomon's own officials, came from the town of Zereda in Ephraim. His mother was Zeruah, a widow. This is the story behind his rebellion. Solomon was rebuilding the supporting terraces and repairing the walls of the city of his father David. Jeroboam was a very capable young man. When Solomon saw how industrious he was, he put him in charge of the labor force from the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, the descendants of Joseph. Now one of the things that Solomon did, he built a lot, a whole lot. And one of the things that he did was he used conscript labor. He essentially said to any citizen of Israel, part of your tax is you owe me a month's labor, maybe two months. We don't know exactly how long, but he would put people from those tribes in charge. Well, he put Jeroboam in tribe, in, in charge of the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, directing the work. He was an industrious young man, a good leader. Scripture goes on to say that the prophet Ahijah came to Jeroboam, took his mantle from him, tore it in 12 pieces, and gave Jeroboam 10 and said, God will make you king over 10 tribes of Israel. But these two, he'll leave with Saul, uh, with Solomon. 
Solomon found out about it, and at the end of the chapter, verse 40, Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, but he fled to King Shishak of Egypt, and he stayed there until Solomon died. Well, in chapter 12, Solomon does die, and uh, later, his son Rehoboam begins to reign. In verse 20, when the people of Israel learned of Jeroboam's return from Egypt, Jeroboam, who had gained King Shishak's confidence as well, Shishak would have been one of the pharaohs in Egypt. He gained his trust and his confidence. Shishak sent him back to Israel with gifts. When the people of Israel learned of Jeroboam's return from Egypt, they called an assembly and they made him king over all Israel. Now what had happened in the meantime? In verse 4, Israel came to King Rehoboam, Solomon's son, and said in verse 4, your father was a hard master. Lighten the harsh labor demands and the heavy taxes that your father imposed on us and will be your loyal subjects. They didn't ask for him to eliminate those, but to lighten them. Rehoboam seeks counsel. His older counselors tell him, accede to their demand and they will follow you forever. His younger counselors say, no, tell him you'll be even harsher than your father was. That's what Rehoboam does, and as a result, the ten northern tribes secede from Israel, and they name Jeroboam their king. Now, verses 25 to 28, Jeroboam has to find a new capital so in verse 25, he built up the city of Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and it became his capital. Then he went and he built up the town of Peniel. And then Jeroboam thought to himself, unless I'm careful, the kingdom will return to the dynasty of David. When these people go to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord, they will give again their allegiance to King Rehoboam of Judah. They'll kill me and make him their king instead. So on the advice of his counselors, the king made two golden calves. He said to the people, it's too much trouble for you to worship in Jerusalem. Look, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of Egypt. You know, we've talked before about the fact that the name of God Elohim is plural. Jeroboam said these two calves are the gods. But another way to look at that would be to say these are the representations of the God who brought you out of Egypt. The Elohim who brought you out of Egypt. From that day forward, all of the people of the nation of Israel would worship either the calf 
that Jeroboam set up in the south or the calf that he set up in the north. Now let's flip back to uh, Hosea. Hosea chapter 8 says, This calf, this idol that you made, it's no God. It must be smashed to bits. That's what Hosea is talking about. How they have set up a more convenient place to worship God. They weren't necessarily even saying that they wanted a different God, but it certainly opened the door to a different God. Chapter 8, verse 1, the sins that Hosea names. Second half of verse 1, you have broken my covenant and revolted against my law. My law says, don't make idols. You've made one. Verse 4, you made idols for yourselves from your silver and gold. You've brought about your own destruction. Chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 9, he says, Like a wild donkey looking for a mate, you've gone up to Assyria. The people of Israel have sold themselves sold themselves to many lovers. Remember, Hosea is still talking about the metaphor that he's living. His wife is a prostitute. His wife is an adulteress. Adultery, theologically, is idolatry. Israel has sold itself to many lovers. And in verse 11, we catch a glimpse of irony. Israel has built many altars to take away their sin, but these very altars have become places for sinning. They've taken the altars, they've made many altars to make sacrifices, to absolve you of sin. But what's happened? It's become the reason for your sin. There is a punishment that will come. Hosea continues, he gives another metaphor, verse 7, they planted the wind, well they're going to reap a whirlwind. Verse 9, they're a wild donkey running around looking for a mate. Let us find other gods. The punishment that's coming, verses 12 and 13. Even though I gave them all my laws, they act as if those laws don't apply to them. The people of Israel loved their rituals of sacrifice. But to me, their sacrifices are meaningless. I'll hold my people accountable for their sins. I'll punish them. They'll return to Egypt. God had taken Israel out of Egypt to live in the promised land. He now says, they're going back. And it's exactly what happens. The northern kingdom was exiled, some to Assyria. Some fled to Egypt so that they wouldn't be exiled 
to Assyria. So what about us today? Do we have gods? Again, if you go back to 1 Kings 12, 28, what Jeroboam says when he made the false gods, it's too much trouble for you to worship in Jerusalem. Here's the God who brought you out of Egypt. We can create idols for ourselves. And sometimes those idols could be things that draw us away from God. But sometimes the idols that we create for ourselves is a more convenient way to follow God. We create idols for ourselves when our mere church attendance takes the place of what God wants from us, our obedience, our life, our allegiance and following Him every hour of every day. Mere church attendance can become an idol. Please, don't let it become an idol in your life. Look for the true meaning of Christianity. Follow God. Obey Him. Please like, follow, and subscribe to this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to. Tomorrow, we will answer the question, what do we do if people won't listen to us?